from the Iona Journal of Economics. I'm Matt. And I'm Lindsay. And this is Iona Asks News Division. This podcast aims to break down interesting events within economic news, which are often made even more confusing through convoluted explanations and complicated jargon. There has been a big movement in the crypto market this week because of a surprising online development. So, Elon Musk caused a bit of craziness on Twitter this week. Isn't that every week? (laughs) Well, sure, you might be right. But this week's events were pretty wild. Basically, he put hashtag Bitcoin in his bio. That's it? And it skyrocketed. The price of Bitcoin has climbed almost 15% in the last week. Specifically... Each Bitcoin now costs nearly a whopping $40,000. Wow. We've got to get him to tweet hashtag I want to ask or something. (laughs) Well, he himself even said he has to be careful about what he says. Elon Musk single-handedly moved the cryptocurrency market. Marathon Patent Group Inc. and BitDigital Inc., two prominent cryptocurrency firms, were up more than 20% in the U.S. pre-market trading. Bitcoin wasn't the only cryptocurrency to benefit from Elon Musk's Twitter either. The meme currency, Dogecoin, rocketed up 75% in value after Elon tweeted, Dogecoin is the people's crypto. Dogecoin was initially started in 2013 as a joke, kind of a Bitcoin parody. And now, eight years later, the dollar value of all Dogecoin on the market has reached $2 billion, showing how crazy crypto markets have actually gotten. Right? But Matt, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. There's been a lot of confusion around cryptocurrency. So what exactly is it? That's a great question. It's definitely a hot topic right now. Cryptocurrency is essentially a form of non-physical payment exchanged online for goods and services, with Bitcoin being a popular example. These forms of currency are often referred to as tokens. If it helps, you can think of these tokens as arcade tokens, where you're exchanging real currency for cryptocurrency to access a specific good In this example, using real money to buy arcade coins to use an arcade game. Okay. Companies offer their own forms of cryptocurrency, which can be traded for a good or service that the company provides. So is this the same thing as getting in-store rewards or credit? This weekend, I finally hit the point threshold at Save-On where you can get like 25,000 points and they give you 30 cents off a banana. (laughs) Kind of, but not really. It's more like companies creating their own version of the euro or dollar in places of real money. It's called loyalty money, and this isn't directly tied to a promotion. Some academics are thinking the world will move away from transaction-based currencies to contract-based ones, meaning that we would move away from cash altogether and instead carry multiple types of cryptocurrencies. Is cryptocurrency a viable option for the future of money then? That's a complicated question. It does kind of look like we're headed towards an increasingly cashless future with cryptocurrency gaining popularity. If crypto was to be widely adopted, we would move towards a cashless society because there would be no need to use paper money or coins to exchange value. All transfers of funds would be done electronically. Now that I know what cryptocurrency would look like, why would we want it? There are a lot of potential benefits. Um, One potential benefit is that with the lack of physical money, this could lead in a fall of petty crimes such as robberies or muggings. But the big draw of crypto is its ease and efficiency. It would drastically reduce the time spent handling, storing, and depositing money. More broadly, it would make currency exchange faster and easier, increasing the speed of transactions. Okay, so it sounds like it makes things fast and easy for the consumer. But how are cryptocurrencies benefits different than credit cards? Well, 
the benefit from a merchant's perspective is pretty clear. Credit card companies charge fees in order to use their service, and merchants can forego these fees altogether if they use cryptocurrency. Additionally, using cryptocurrency eliminates the risk of chargebacks, so these companies wouldn't have any losses relating to fraudulent purchases. But consumers share in this benefit as well. They wouldn't have to deal with anything like credit card fees or delays. Okay, I see. There seems to be some notable disadvantages too, though. Firstly, there are some broad security concerns relating to cryptocurrency. The first being that the online nature of it makes it liable to potential data breaches. Additionally, the lack of identification needed, with no social insurance number required, increases criminal activities such as money laundering and other high finance crimes due to its anonymous nature. Right. But technically, hasn't Bitcoin made it more difficult to be anonymous with their record keeping system? For sure. But while it's true Bitcoin has tightened up, it's only one of many cryptocurrencies, and many security concerns still remain. It's important to note that these aren't the only drawbacks as well. Exactly. This could also impact individuals who lack certain things, such as technological know-how or something real, like a bank account. And these people are going to find the transition to cryptocurrency even harder. Right. In that sense, economic inequality could be a huge disadvantage to cryptocurrency adoption. Exactly. Not to mention that crypto is only legal in developed countries right now. Fair point. And with cryptocurrency adoption comes a whole set of new tax laws. So there are logistical hurdles on top of all the ones that we just described. That actually segues well into our last topic. What does crypto look like in the policy space today? This is an interesting question because you have a country like Sweden who expects to be cashless by 2023. But then you have major American cities like New York and San Fran who have introduced bills to ban retail stores from refusing to accept cash. Right. I mean, the European Central Bank has even stated that they believe everyone must have cash as a payment option. What these policies and perspectives are getting at is that certain groups of people may feel excluded if cash isn't accepted. People use cash for budgeting purposes and tend to spend more when they pay by card. Exactly. Take the 2008 crisis, for example. People were going to banks to withdraw cash from their accounts. Without cash, the fear is that people have no means to get money out of the banking system. It's important to understand that cash is an important means to store value. Ultimately, what this issue comes down to policy-wise is that stakeholders in the cash cycle, banks, retailers, etc., have to work together to keep cash distribution and handling efficient with declining volumes. In addition to that, governments and financial institutions need to make sure that everyone has the choice to pay with their preferred instrument while simultaneously promoting efficiency of all means of payment. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you learned something new. And if you liked our podcast, please remember to share it with your friends and family. We'll be back with a new episode in a few weeks. But in the meantime, watch out for more episodes from the careers, education, and professors divisions of Iona Asks.